This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Empire. Can AI change the betting game? It's not just a predictive tool when it comes to games. There's also, you know, predictive tools when it comes to individual player performances. And I'm thinking there, oh my God, like I, I'm, I could have used this. This would have helped me in my fantasy leagues. I, I, I would have been using this as a host. That's Mike Yam, anchor reporter at NFL Network, who is also the founder of Pine Sports, which is using machine learning to help bettors get a true edge. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein. Mike Yam has been a professional broadcaster for NBA TV, ESPN, Pac-12 Network, and now the NFL Network. And let me just say, as someone who shared an anchor desk with him in the past, genuinely one of my favorite people in the business. So it was my pleasure to learn more about his not-so-side hustle that looks to find a niche in the exploding gambling marketplace, enlisting the help of his longtime friend, VJ Dewan, to create Pine Sports. Our guests this week are Mike Yam, who you can see on the NFL Network as a host and an anchor, and Vijay Dewan. They are co-founders of a startup called Pine Sports, which is an AI platform that is going to modernize the betting experience for all sports bettors. Hey guys, how are you? Doing great, Bram. Great to uh, to hear your voice. And uh, I think VJ and I are, are super excited not only to be with you, but just kind of talk about Pine and, and the platform. Yeah, yeah excited to, to be here. Yeah. Nice. Uh, let me just pull the curtain up. Mike and I used to work together at ESPN as anchors. Um, so we've known each other for a very long time. And both of us have found not only experience on air, but in this realm as an entrepreneur. So Mike, let me just start there with you because you are still a working broadcaster. What kind of led you down this path to do this? I don't know if on the side is the right way to put it, but but why did you go this direction? Not say on the side, BJ and I probably talk uh, to each other more than we talk to our family uh, at this point on, on a daily basis. It feels like you can kind of be in the thick of things. But, um, you know, to be honest with you, this is, and I give BJ completely full credit for this. Uh, we were friends from high school. Uh, BJ is a, a brilliant guy. Um, I would say probably smarter now than he was in high school because he was hanging out with me. Uh, but he had reached out to me at the start of COVID and, and with this idea. And BJ, I'll let you actually kind of tell the story a little bit more. But BJ built the entire platform. And to me, um, you know, it was kind of the brains behind the operation and, you know, brought me on to kind of help with, you know, context and some of the business development uh, side of things. And, um, you know, we've been kind of tag teaming a lot of the different aspects of, of the business. But the brainchild for all of this came from BJ. And I think he knew a little bit more of my fantasy background and, and how I sort of started in the business. And when he told me and had asked me, he's like, hey, is anyone doing this? I was like, man, I actually don't think anyone is. And that's kind of when the ball started to get rolling, BJ. Yeah, um, during COVID, I um, got really into programming. I was a computer science major in undergrad, 
um, got back into it because I had um, some free time on my hands and just saw all this incredible stuff that was happening in the AI space. Um, started kind of looking at COVID data first, but as COVID progressed, um, I'm a big sports fan. I, uh, before COVID, had my buddies over for poker. We'd all watch the game. Um, we're in New Jersey, so we'd bet on you know, DraftKings and FanDuel. Um, so I started talking to my friends and said, hey, would you guys want to build your own AI models? And they were excited about it. So I started building this for friends. Um, I reached out to Mike about it, too. And just, you know, I know Mike knows the space so well. I said, is there anything out there where people can just build their own models to, to bet on games, to you know, make predictions about player props, things like that? And there really wasn't. So we thought this would be a, a fun thing to build. It was really made for us and our friends. Um, it's been, been a great ride so far. So take me through the tech a little bit, VJ. When you, you started this process of building models for sports betting, um, where did it start and where did it lead you? Sure. So um, the, the really cool thing about AI is you just tell it the stats that you think are important and what you want it to predict. Um, and it'll just iterate over all the games that you give it. So we have five years of sports data on time. Um, so it'll look at every game over the last five years and you could say say for football you think um you know yards per play completion percentage things like that are important penalty yards you give the model that um and you let it run through five years of games it'll calibrate its the model as well as it possibly can um and then you can give it you know next week's games uh and it'll it'll make a prediction give you a confidence level on who it thinks will win based on the stats that you you gave it. And Mike, how did you get into wanting to be part of this idea? Well, VJ, it started out where VJ just said, Hey, like, you know, I just wanted to kind of throw some things off of you. And, and obviously, you know, the two of us being friends, of course, I was just going to say yes. And, and Bram, you know, you know, you and I go back and kind of have that, that sort of same mentality where if someone reaches out, we're, we're going to hit them back. But I think as we got more involved in the weeds and I, I realized what was there and VJ said, Hey, like, I need a little bit more help. It was, you know, quite honestly, a, a really easy yes. I hadn't seen anything like this before. You know, Bram, I had started, you know, before you and I were together at ESPN, my, my first real TV job was at NBA TV and it came in the fantasy space and I was huh. doing stuff on, on radio and, and all of those types of things. When VJ showed me some of the projection tools, I mean, that was, that would have been gold. You know, Bram, when I was at NBA TV, I would, I would have like a game log up and I would write down, you know, you'd look for trends, right? It, it, you'd look for the, you know, what has this guy done in the last five games, 10 games? What are those numbers? Is he trending in the right direction? I mean, BJ showed me, because it's not just a predictive tool when it comes to games. There's also, you know, predictive tools when it comes to individual player performances. And I'm thinking there, oh my God, like I, I'm, I could have used this. This would have helped me in my fantasy leagues. I, I, I would have been using this as a host. And you know, I had a calculator next to me. This is how old I am. I had the calculator next to me and I was crunching some of those numbers. I had a notepad and would look for some of those trends. And what VJ has been able to build is a platform that allows you to, you know, pick a, pick a set of games, five games, 10 games, a full season back and see what a player has done and get a prediction. And I think what's really cool about this Bram is because it's not just a sorting tool, which is what I'm describing, but you and I both know, hey, sometimes an individual performance is more meaningful depending on who that opponent is. Yep. And if it's a great defense that balls out against, you go, oh, okay, I would eyeball those types of things. Well, you know, we have a normalized average that takes into consideration some of those defenses. So you just feel better about 
that projection and what a guy can actually go and do. So to me, there was all these elements and I, I looked at it from like a content perspective and, and how do you build some things? And, and look, you know, the thing that we haven't even mentioned, uh, Bram, is this idea of like the third vertical. You know, we have, you know, the projections when it comes to fantasy and props and then the predictive tools, but also this, this uh, content thing where we're having a lot of our users take the insights that they're getting from, uh, from the tools themselves and then they're creating content around it. And for me, as sort of, and Bram, I, I know for you and BJ, super excited about this. Like, it, it was really cool to see this community kind of come together yeah. and create content just based off of the tools. Okay, well, so this is what I wanted to ask you when you showed me this. There are many different ways that you could utilize this, and it sounds like the direction you want to go is content vertical. Um, this easily could be something that partners with a betting outlet and could be something that could encourage more betting with better information. As you think through what Pine Sports is going to be, have you determined what it is at this point? It's a great question, Bram. Uh, you know, it, the more, and the, I can see VJ smiling more on this soon because, you know, we, I think when we initially put, you know, sort of a lot of these ideas and a lot of it's on the fly, right? Like you kind of have to adjust depending on, on the avenues that you go on. But as we had some of these conversations, with a lot of media companies, with some of the sports books as well. It became a little, I, I shouldn't say really obvious, but DJ and I want to speak and, and kind of get your take on this too, but we thought it was B2C and, then, and in a lot of ways we still are just because we have the users that want to create this content. You can become an expert. Um, you know, there's, there's, a, um, there's one company that we talked to that's got a portfolio of companies where they're basically crowdsourcing, right? And it's overseas. It's not happening necessarily in the States, although I know there's sites like this in the U.S. where they're crowdsourcing some of these ideas. And yet, Bram, it's, it's sort of shooting from the hip, right? Like they don't have artificial uh, intelligence machine learning tools that can really help them out. And, and so like there's that missing piece, this validation piece for, for what some of this content is. And, you know, for us, so like there's still that play. But I think a lot of the companies that we've talked to you know, you have the conversations with them, you show them the demo, and then, I, you know, I follow up on the back end. I say, like, hey, have you seen anything like this? And the answer is always no. Hey, haven't seen customized tools like this. People talk about that, but we haven't seen anyone do it to this level, and no one's using AI and machine learning. So there's all these pieces that are here, and I think a lot of these conversations, Bram, uh, you know, they circle back to, hey, is there a licensing play? Hey, would you guys consider giving us, you know, the ability to use some of these tools, white label some of these tools, yeah. just because we don't have anything like this. So yep. um, that's a long winded answer to say, yes, B2C, <laughs> yes, B2B. Yes. Uh, VJ, what do you think at this point? Where, where do you see this going? Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with Michael. I, I think um, what the original vision, and, and I think this is sort of where we are now, is you know, we wanted to give people these really, really powerful tools. And then I think what makes, you know, us as, as humans, like, so, so interesting and smart is that we, through crowdsourcing, we, we kind of share knowledge and get smarter together. Um, so that was kind of the goal with the, the stories vertical. And I'll just give an example from last basketball season. Uh, when Jamal Murray was injured, um, Michael Porter Jr. just took on this amazing offensive role. Um, but the, the books didn't catch up to it. And, and somebody on Pine found it, wrote a story about it, and people were riding um, Michael, Michael Porter Jr.'s um, three-point um, props, the over for it, for months. Um, the books caught up to that. What they didn't realize was he wasn't under the boards and he wasn't getting rebounds, so they rode the under for his rebounds for the rest of the season. And I think they hit, you know, as a group, 23 out of 25 props 
at, at the end of the season. You see people picking up on these little trends over and over again. So that sort of B2C model will giving tools to, to just regular users to, to mess around and then share their insights and put it in stories and talk about it. That's incredibly cool. Um, but now, you know, we've spent a lot of time um, speaking with, with our customers. And what, what we've seen is, you know, they feel more confident betting. They're betting more. They're betting on, on sports they might have not otherwise have bet on because I think these tools give them the confidence to make smart bets. So from that perspective, I can see partnerships with, with sports books who want, um, you know, people to feel more confident in, in their bets and who, who, you know, want people to place more bets. And as Mike said, I can see, I can see um, partnerships with, with other analytics type companies that are looking to, to give people more information and, and get their users and customers um, the best tools possible. Do you think it's possible that a odds making organization will want to acquire you? And do you know um, if what you're doing is comparable to what they're using to set lines in the first place? Um, you know, we have had some interesting conversations. I don't want to speak for other other companies. I would hope they would. I would hope they would want their users to be smarter and more informed. Um, you know, I think lines, there are likely some, most books don't set their own lines. Most books either... Um, take lines from what are called sharp books, which are um, oftentimes offshore books or maybe circa here. Um, those books are likely using um, the types of tools we have, plus the, the sort of qualitative human element where you have an expert in that particular sport looking over the models and making sure they're not missing anything like an injured player or you know, whether that favors a certain team that the model might not be picking up on. Um, most of the other books are copying those sharp books. So I think what we're doing is is taking the tools that the sharp books have and putting it in the users' hands uh, and letting users play around with it, which is which is really fun. And I would hope that um, all books would want their users to be more informed, so that um, you know if they're placing more bets, and the books themselves will sharpen up too, and they'll just be a, a much better space and a, and a smarter space. You know, and, and Bram, I think you know intuitively you might say, well, why would the book want? want their users to be smarter and more informed. It, I, I think VJ kind of touched on it on the end there where they're, they're staying in that ecosphere, right? And there's more transparency. It's funny, we had one conversation with a group and they had mentioned that, that a lot of the feedback that they're getting, and it's a large place that they're getting from their users is, hey, we want more transparency in the space. And you, we, look, what, what Pine has been able to give its users is, um, you know, they're make, we're making you feel smarter because you're more informed and you have those tools that BJ made reference to that, that don't exist on another platform. Um, you know, Bram, it's very different. The conversations, while they're similar, they are different with a lot of the media companies that we're talking to. You know, they'll sit there and say, oh, okay, cool. Like, how many, how many minutes is a user sitting on your site? Well, it's actually over five minutes. Um, you know, and had before BJ and I got into this project, you would have said, hey, five minutes on site, is that a long time? I would have said, ah, no, actually not a lot. And then you go and you do the research, you go, oh my God, like we're smashing uh -huh. some of the other major sites and like what they're doing. So it's like, oh, they're there. How many prop projections? How many fantasy projections? I mean, it is month over month. Um, you know, from, from December to January, I don't have necessarily the February numbers in front of me, but it was 58% increases in uh, our projection tool. Uh, we got over 15 or squaring in on 16,000 predictive models that have been made. So 
the the beta group, um, and now the site is open, but the beta group, uh, along with some of the new um, uh, new users that are on the platform, you know, they've shown like, oh, okay, like now the process has been validated. You're not spending five minutes on the site to just you know, you, you set your browser and then you just walked away. I mean, that's, that's not what's happening here. Um, so to me, that's a really cool thing. And once again, the media companies, they're intrigued by that. And I think, you know, some of the other companies are as well, but it's, it's, var- it's varying. And I think the fact that Pine is checking both of those boxes makes it really unique. Mike, let, let me stay on the content part of it for a moment. Um, as we're taping this, the Super Bowl happened yesterday. There was no, not that I noticed, any specific mention of sports gambling. And I think the operative word here is yet. Um, as you kind of survey the marketplace with gambling and whether it becomes ubiquitous on sports television or whether it remains kind of its own separate entity, where do you see gambling falling into sports broadcasting? Bram, I think, and I don't want to speak for you, you and I have been in this business for a long time. It would be insanity if this thing, um, I, I, I'm not a betting man, but if I was, I, I would tell you, I'd, it'd be crazy not to bet for this thing to become more and more mainstream. And I know you made reference to it. It wasn't, it wasn't talked about and discussed during the Super Bowl. So obviously, uh, you know, the, the different books having their commercials, seeing, you know, NFL Hall of Famers like Jerry Rice mm-hmm. pouring Gatorade on folks like that exists. And it's not going anywhere. And I think what's really interesting is you know, BJ and I grew up in northern New Jersey. So we've seen sort of what that state has been able to do, New York and the tax revenue that they're now pulling in. I think it's just a matter of time where it becomes so mainstream. Every single network on the sports side is talking about it. They have programming around it. They're taking the dollars from an advertising standpoint around it. So uh, to me, all arrows are, are pointing in this direction. And when we were growing up, Bram and BJ, like this was something that no one discussed. It was like the CD game, you know, behind the scenes that, that, that wasn't supposed to happen. Um, but yet it was happening. And now it's become more popular. Um, it's become legal in many states. And, you know, the amount of dollars that are being poured into these markets, it's tremendous. I mean, the user acquisition costs that people are and companies are spending are, are just astronomical. And I think we've seen it on the fantasy side. I mean, I, like I said, I, that was my first job um, in television was on the fantasy side. And how big that business is, to me, I think it can run right with it, if not bigger. There, yeah, um, I just want to go ahead. Sorry, I just want to quickly add to that. Yeah, I think um, what what sports um, companies and what leagues saw with fantasy is that, um, you know, I think before fantasy became popular, Mike and I are Giants fans, we're Knicks fans. We'd watch our team. If our team was getting blown out, maybe we'd turn the, the game off. Um, with fantasy, you saw people interested in, in teams across the board, whether they were, you know, were, were fans of that team or not. And I think with betting, what you see is you see that sort of what fantasy did, but it's on steroids because you can put, you can bet on a particular game, you can bet on a single player. So even if it, uh, you know there's a blowout, that player might still be close to hitting a prop and you'll watch the game. So I think this is benefits for league. Viewership will go up, um, and I think you see this the, the books. There are tons of books out there that are looking for content, and the media companies are now filling that content void with with really uh, interesting content around betting. So, you know, I think it's here to stay because there's just, um, for everyone, it's a win-win. Um, and as Mike said, the states are, are getting a ton of revenue and people are having fun. Um, okay, last thing, Mike. Um, so talk to me about the user experience with the site, what you thought through, 
what kind, there's a mountain of information here, obviously, that um, people are going to need to be able to get through. Um, the goal here sounds like you want a social aspect to go along with betting as well. So can you talk me through how you guys thought through uh, user and the ability to use it um, easily? Yeah, the UI experience, VJ, and I have, we continue to, uh, to iterate. I mean, this was, it has changed multiple times uh, over time. VJ has been in the weeds on the design and that experience. And I think we, we sort of lived in this world where we want to make it as simple as possible. And, you know, if you think about, you know, a sports analogy, right? Like if I had asked you, hey, you know, Bram, what's the next pitch? You know, is it a, a fastball or a curve? You, you might hedge a little bit. There's that that added moment of having to think where if I said to you, hey, is it fastball or strike? Or excuse me, is it a striker or ball? You know, that's an easier question to go and answer. And I think a lot of times when we build out this platform, we ask ourselves that question. So, um, you know, it's as simple as hitting the explore tab on the site and, and BJ, you know, at that point you have, you know, the ability to go and create some of those prop projections or fantasy projections do stat comparisons and on the predict tab to do that custom modeling and to have your own artificial intelligence dashboard, which sounds way more complicated. It is, um, you know, in terms of the build out process and what it actually means. But for the user, what are the stats that you think decide a game? If you are a sports fan and you've been watching it your entire life, you get to have complete control over what you think decides the game. It's simple as drop a drop down menu. You pick those stats. Um, you basically hit analyze and project. And at that point, the artificial intelligence does everything else. And it is as simple as that. And then if you want to take some of those interactive charts uh, and, and embed them into a stories page, it's very, very simple. It's within you know a couple clicks. You can save it. You can even share those on social media as well. The last thing for you, VJ, um, in-game betting and speed of which the information is processed. How have you guys thought through getting that information to sports bettors? Yeah, I think in-game betting is uh, something that, that people really, really love. So right now, we um, our data isn't in real time, um, but that's, I think, you know, top of our list of things to do because um, it's really fun. You're, in the, you're watching the game. Um, you want to... You know, you're looking at a player, you want to see who's going to score next or who's going to get the next touchdown, who's, um, you know, whether somebody's going to get um, a certain amount of points in a particular quarter. That sort of stuff's really interesting. And I think for Pine, that is the next step. That is um, top of list for us. And it's about getting really fast data um, in everyone's hands. And again, what Mike said is taking what's really complicated and simplifying it so that anybody can use it. And um, just to, you know, other tools out there, I think take really simple stuff and dress it up and make it sound complicated. Um, our goal is to take really complicated and really just cutting edge technology and simplify it and cut it down and simplify it and make it easy for you so you guys can make really important decisions. Um, so we've done it, I think, with sort of the pregame betting and we're still working to make that better. Um, and the next big thing for us is in-game betting and thinking about ways to give you cutting-edge insights um, in the middle of a game uh, so that you can you can optimize that in-game betting too. Mike Yam and Vijay Dewan are the co-founders of Pine Sports. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks so Appreciate much. It, On the next Future Sport Podcast, if you streamed the Super Bowl, you better have left Twitter off. And unfortunately, for the fourth year in a row, nothing's changed. Everybody is still in the 40, 50-second 
range would delay behind the field of play, which is just, you know, in our mind, just, it's unacceptable, it's not tolerable, and, and what's interesting is for the first time, um, we're now starting to see fans agree and, and go to social media and, I mean, in droves, I mean, in hundreds are complaining about the delays in the stream and the buffering. And That's Jed Korenthal, Chief Marketing Officer at Phoenix, who returns to the show to continue to preach to the streaming gospel that there is no good reason for those streams to be so far behind the traditional broadcast. That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.